Hey, hey, Michigan Maniacs. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. This was supposed to be the big game pregame Maryland, but because of COVID concerns, this is going to be all about the culture of Michigan football, and I'm going to finally give my take on the two, maybe three, uh, coaching prospects I think that could take over for Harbaugh, and we wouldn't miss a beat or even be better. Obviously, anybody can... We can't miss a beat. We've done so poorly with them, so whatever. Um, but before we do that, let's get into the housekeeping, guys. Um, I'm on all social media. Uh, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all of it under Michigan Maniac Podcast. Um, guys, go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review, or just rate, whatever you want to do. Hit me up on the DM. Let me know uh, that you did so. Give me your name, fake name. I don't care what it is. Uh, legit address to where I can send it. And I will send you one of these stickers. Bang. Boom. They're pretty cool. I mean, I like them just because I made it myself. But hey. Well, not the sticker part. You know, the design. Not that it's so integral. But it's mine regardless. So um, hit me up. I don't care if it's a one star. I only want the stars that you think I deserve. I mean, I feel I'm a five-star recruit when it comes to podcasting and hosting, but hey, we'll, we'll leave that up to the nation, right? Um, so anyways, let's get into this. Um, so now that we have to worry about the rest of the... Well, I don't even think it's a worry anymore. If we have to worry about the uh, rest of the season being canceled, just in case of COVID concerns, and I don't know which players have tested positive, they're all kind of hush-hush at this moment, so... Not a lot of info coming in and out. I mean, hell, we might even play Maryland this week. I don't know. We'll find out. They've suspended all practice and all team activities for this week so far. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming days. But um, I figured since no need to really worry about the the Maryland thing, let's go ahead and look into, let's dig into some of the stuff that's really been concerning me about Michigan and its culture and Harbaugh and all this baloney, right? Um, a lot of things have been coursing through my mind lately about, about this. I mean, I was for a long time and I've said it on here, I thought Harbaugh should get fired. And then I kind of went back to be like, okay, because of recruiting classes and we want to keep, you know, the progress going forward because 2021 is a top 10 recruiting class. And then you bring in 2022, which they're already doing pretty good at. You don't want to ruin that kind of progress. So I'm like, okay, well, let's fire Don Brown and we'll keep Harbaugh and maybe that will will change things, right? That'll uh, make things a little bit better. And I, I'm sure it will be. I'm, I'm sure they can do that. But I've been thinking about it and other stories that I hear, I've listened to a few other podcasts and, and a lot of ex-players have mentioned some of the things that have gone on behind the scenes that they have talked to other ex-players about during Harbaugh's tenure, and I'm convinced that he just has to go. Um, Whatever happened in 2016, the end of that season, it destroyed Harbaugh. It really did. He already had a weird culture as it was. He had this whole business approach to getting you to the NFL, you know, like, do it my way, and we're going to come with a very pro-progressive, like, this is how you get into the NFL. Well, that's a great approach to college football, but if you don't have a culture of football where they 
fight for one another or want to be one team and you just say, well, listen, I can provide you a way to the NFL, that creates a loophole like I've been talking about. That creates a way for kids who aren't 100% either sold in on Harbaugh or aren't sold in on Michigan as a whole just to be like, you know what, I'm playing for my stats, I'm playing for my 40 time, I'm playing for all this so I can get my draft status and move on. That's what that creates. And granted, I think with uh, 2016, before the Ohio State Harbaugh, I think you get a guy who believes in making everyone work together as a team. And after that, though, I think his culture is exposed. It's exposed for being cold. It's exposed for being very uh, hands-off. Uh, you do your job, I do my job, and I'll get you to where you need to go type thing. Instead of everybody in it to win it, we die for each other, we fight for each other, we're all brothers, we're this, that, and the other, right? And as as much as I hate the cult leader, P.J. Fleck, who's reading This Is How We Poop to his team, right? Just to find some way to motivate them. That goes to show you that in college football, it is all for one and one for all. Now, maybe in the pros, you can get teams that only focus, guys only come to work, clock in and clock out, and they only worry about their own thing, and you can still be successful, right? Now, the Patriots uh, obviously had way, way more success than anybody else, and I don't, I don't know much about that culture outside of you do your job, and you, it's all part of the greater team success. No one man is greater than the other. So that's a different culture. Maybe they had maybe there's some other teams that have greater success with just clocking in and clocking out and the whole NFL approach that Jim Harbaugh seems to come with. But so getting into what I heard from some of these podcasts was that in 2017, the team unanimously or whatever, democratically, whatever you want to put it, uh, voted, and I think it was unanimously voted. Devin Bush as the MVP of the season. And because he had gotten hurt with Ohio State, he didn't finish out that game, and he opted out of the bowl game, Harbaugh took it upon himself to not make Devin Bush the MVP, which the team wanted and voted for, but made Chase Winovich the MVP. Now, very, very good, very good choice, right? I mean, you could say Chase Winovich was... Uh, 1B to Devin Bush's 1A for MVP. But it doesn't change the fact that the team voted Devin Bush the the effing MVP. You don't mess with that. When the team votes, see, you're that's like saying, okay, yeah, you guys are cute. You guys say whatever you want, but it's what I feel. I'm the head coach. So if somebody does something I don't like, then I'm going to change what you guys feel and I'm going to appoint whoever I want as the MVP. And that's what he did in 2017. And it's kind of what he did in 2019 when it came to Shea Patterson. The team did not elect, did not even vote to put uh, Shea Patterson as a captain. Harbaugh took it upon himself and made him the captain. There were some people, there's some infighting apparently where some people were all team Dylan McCaffrey, and then some people were all team Shea Patterson. And I don't know what Harbaugh, what what he did to get Shea Patterson to come to Michigan, but I think he overexposed himself, or, or 
he did something that he like he really screwed himself on this Shea Patterson deal because the OC, I mean, Gaddis was like, he's playing too much golf. He doesn't know the offense. The players weren't behind Shea Patterson. His own effort on the field proved that he wasn't into the season. And he still was given captain. He was still he was still placed as captain by Harbaugh. These are just things that destroy culture. They don't add to it. They don't make the kids believe that you're in it with them. And if they think that you're not in it with them, then they start to not buy into it. Then they start to think, well, yeah, okay, fine. If that's how he's going to be, then I'm just going to look out for myself. I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to get my stats, and I'm going to go to the NFL if I'm good enough to do that. That's just what I'm going to do. And, I mean, that's and you can kind of see that with the opt-ins and the opt-outs of both Ohio State and Michigan. With that culture of, it's my way or the highway, Jim Harbaugh, and just do your job and I'll get you to the NFL type thing. And they're all playing, you know, for themselves. Look at Nico Collins. Look at Amory Thomas. They're both like, hey, okay, he got us to this point. We don't know if the season's going to happen. Why do we want to come back in and play when all we're really playing for is to get to the NFL? I thought there was like a handful of malcontents on this team. And I thought they were really tearing the team apart. So that's why I figured they needed to get together as a team and really learn how to play with one another. But it's the culture. The culture is all screwed up. The culture tells them, listen, this isn't a team. You guys are all individual players who are trying to make it to the NFL. So therefore, you worry about your shit. Don't worry about the other person and do you. That's what Harbaugh is set up. Now, maybe a Harbaugh that's truly invested, that's super excited, that is going to other games, just really, I mean, going on sleepovers, doing whatever the hell Harbaugh's got to do, that 2000, before November of 2016, maybe that Harbaugh can make this kind of culture work, but a checked out Harbaugh is only letting this weird culture just eat itself alive, in my opinion. I just, I don't see how, I mean, there's just too much evidence to the contrary, right? Like, I mean, look at Denard Robinson coming in in 2019, wanting to be around the team for that Notre Dame week, right? Wanting to be around him, talk to him, be whatever. Put himself at just like, hey, I'm here, administration, what can I do to be a positive in this in this program? And he got the cold shoulder. 100% cold shoulder. He wasn't asked to talk to the team. He wasn't asked to be there at practice. Carbod was like, what the fuck are you doing here, basically? And he was at uh, normal people's uh, tailgates, and a booster had to give him seats to one of the suites for that game. The administration, the team didn't even take care of one of Michigan's ex-greats. I mean, you can say what you want to about his passing ability, but the way he riled up a team, the way he led the team, the way he ran, the way he did all of it, Denard Robinson deserved better than what Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel gave him in 2019. So when you see that as a current player, why do you want to try hard? Why you you feel like you're not even a part of the team. You feel like you're not even a part of this family and that's what college football's all about is your young men leaving, first of all, leaving your family for the first time maybe ever and you're buying into what they recruited you to do, which they, you know, this whole storyline of, well, we're Michigan, we're family, we're Michigan men. Woo, Michigan men. Well, when Harbaugh acts like this, he's not acting like a Michigan man. 
I mean, pre-2016, Harbaugh had Brady and Jeter and all these people. I mean, Ric Flair to the, what, the signing of the stars baloney. And, I mean, it was an event. Post-2016, Harbaugh could give a shit less about anybody else but what he's doing. I Maybe that's how he treats his, his, uh, his coordinators, too, because most of the really good ones leave and we're stuck with old man Don Brown. I mean, I just, I, I think, I just, I, th I think it's just time for him to go. I think whatever happened in 2016, well, we all know JT was short. I think it crushed, I think it, it crushed Harbaugh like it did the rest of us. But I think it, it really, it, it destroyed him. He has never been the same. And it's destroyed his culture. Even though the culture that he was setting up was kind of janky to begin with. But... It's gone. He's gone. And all these kids now are left to play for the NFL, play for their own self. And, and you can tell, when if this team was really locked in on one another and really were going to fight for one another, uh, we would be winning these games. We would be winning a lot more games because it's not like we don't have any talent. They just don't listen anymore. They don't believe that the coaching staff has their best interests at heart. They just don't. And then when you listen to Harbaugh and his and his pressers, he's clueless. I mean, he's very frustrating to listen to anymore, Harbaugh. And I, I mean, I'll go on record. I, I was a huge fan of Harbaugh. I love that guy. I mean, he was the first quarterback I ever knew at Michigan. And to see what he's become, it's, it's sad. It's sad. And to see that Ward Manuel doesn't give two shits about this program because he's keeping this man around. I mean, I don't know what you got to do. Maybe you have to do a little underhanded type stuff and sign him for two years, you know, and uh, just so you keep the class coming in, hire somebody like a Matt Campbell. Uh, well, we'll get into who I think could fill that. But I just, I, I just don't get where we're going with this from here on out. I just... I don't see how it can turn around under Harbaugh. I just don't. I think he's lost. I, I think he's checked out. I don't think he really gives a crap right now. And some of the things he says tells you that he's just begging to be put out of his mercy. Um, out of his misery, not mercy. Sorry. Um, also, um, Cade McNamara is out for the season, right? I don't know if that's official, but I saw it on a Instagram post, so I would assume it's right. <laughs> but... Uh, if that's true, we're screwed. So we might as well let COVID just run rampant through our program because, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? What, what do we have to play for? Yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of people, if it's a game on the schedule, then we need to play it and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think so. Don't, why? What are we going to learn? What All we're going to do if we continue down this road, we're going to lose to Maryland ugly because we're going to have Joe Milton in there and I'm sure Joe Milton has given up because he doesn't believe that the coaches have his best interests on his side or at their heart or whatever I mean everything everybody's given up so all we're going to do is just destroy our recruiting classes for 2021 and 2022 by showing up and losing probably by two touchdowns in Maryland and then going into the game against Ohio State and losing by 70 to Ohio State so why do that? 
And then, you know, it almost makes me want us not to do it because I don't want us to play just to screw over over any Ohio State fan that I've ever met, and even these are some of my closest friends, because they all are chipping and saying all this dumb shit on, on social media, and it's like, okay, that's fine. You talk all the shit you want to, but guess what? We're in COVID restriction right now, so we could just knock knock everything out, and guess what? You're one game short. You may be able to play Michigan State next week or this week, but you ain't going to be able to play us in two weeks from now. So good luck getting into the Big Ten title game. Good luck getting into the playoff. And you go suck it because at this point, what are we playing for other than just to screw over Ohio State? I don't care if there's a game out there. What are we doing so we can just get hammered? I mean, so what? You want the little guy to go into the... Even though that the little guy has to fight the big, strong guy, you still want him to go in the ring and get his ass beat just because he set the match? No, no thanks. No thanks. Not when our team's checked out. Our boys don't want to play anymore. Our coaches aren't coaching. They don't have no clue how to make a good game plan. They're not developing people. So what are we doing? We're, they're not developing the talent. They can't put together a good game plan. The the guys on the team have quit. They don't believe that the coaches can actually do anything for them. So we're, what are we doing? We're just going in there just to get pummeled in the face for the next two weeks? No, I hope. I hope it's like... I hope whoever gets COVID survives it and it's very, you know, they're top-notch athletes, so they'll be fine. But, I mean, whatever it is, I don't want, I wouldn't want anybody to die from it or get seriously injured or whatever from COVID. But I want them to just come through it like everybody else has, 99% chance of living through it. But, you know, and move on. Get the rest of the season over with. Done. And then I wouldn't mind playing the crossover game, which more than likely may be, and I'm fingers crossed, it's going to be Illinois. So they can beat us, and it would be fitting because Brandon Peters is the starting quarterback for Illinois. And I would just hope that would be the death nail in the coffin of Jim Harbaugh that we would lose to uh, a Michigan quarterback who... In my opinion, everybody busts on on Brandon Peters about that he wasn't good. Listen, I hate to break it to you. Go back and just look at the 2017 season. He came in for John O'Corn, and our team did well. He was only asked to do certain things because it was a run-first, a run-oriented offense. Orientated. What a great... He did his job. We won every game that he started until he played Wisconsin. And we were up by we were up 10 to 7 when he got hurt and knocked out of the game. We were winning, we were looking good. He was I mean, he hit DPJ on a deep route. I mean, he was doing what he was asked to do and he looked good doing it. And then he got hurt and he was out for Ohio State cuz I'll tell you something right now. If Brandon Peters plays in 2017, Instead of John O'Corn, we beat Ohio State. We just do. Brandon Peters would not have missed that long pass to the tight end that was a critical play that John O'Corn overthrew him by 5 to 10 yards. Would not have happened if we had Brandon Peters in the game. Yeah, so Brandon Peters comes back, what, a month later? Maybe even a month and a half later into a bowl game? So you haven't played in a month and a half and they're expecting you to fucking pull it out when the when the game plan was crap and the defense completely fell apart? We had one of the worst offensive lines in Michigan history? Yeah, sorry. Let's not blame that on Brandon Peters, all right? Let's, that's all on Harbaugh. 
screw that. I would love to see Brandon Peters play us, beat us, and then knock Harbaugh completely out of here. So this way we can focus on trying to get a good head coach that is going to install a type of college atmosphere, college culture of we fight for one another, we fight for it all, We you do your job, we do our job, together we win. And I've got two people that I really truly believe that can do that. Um, the third one, it's a little outrageous, but I mean, it's already been mentioned. None of these names are out of like left field. No one's going to be like, oh, Adam, you did your research. Look at this guy. He's amazing. No, no. They're just, I think, the best candidates, the two best candidates for this job. And I think you have a chance when you shit can Harbaugh right out of here. I think you have a chance of saving the 2021 uh, recruiting class and the 2022 recruiting class if you hire either one of these two. And then I'll throw in the third one in a minute. But So let's break that down, right? So the first one. The first one I totally believe, and I don't know which one I can, which one I like the best. I would say this is going to be the one I like the best, only because there's more video of this guy. And it's going to be Matt Campbell. Number one for me, Matt Campbell is the guy we should get. Um... He's like a college version of Bill Belichick if Bill Belichick was, like, friendlier. If he was, like, a rah-rah, sis-boom-bah type of guy. You know, he's got the sweater on. I mean, all he needs to do is cut off the sleeves. He's got the hat. You know, I mean, he just looked... You would think he's, like, the ball manager if you didn't know that he was the head coach, right? And it's very easy to get this guy from... First of all, he's an Ohio guy. So how great would that be to steal somebody out of Ohio, right, who can recruit Ohio and wanted to be a part of the Ohio State because he's been, he's, his name has been mentioned for the Cleveland Browns and the Ohio State Buc and the Buckeyes, right? But, obviously, he's not going to Ohio anytime soon. So if we could grab him before Ryan Day takes an NFL job, that would be fantastic. We can get a great recruiter, a fantastic coach, I mean, just just Google Matt Campbell um, pregame speeches or halftime speeches, and you'll get two or three to where you're just like, I love this man. He is everything that you would, as a football player, you'd want to play for, and I love it. And plus, he went to a team in Iowa State that was has been garbage. I mean, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. So I was a part of the Big 8, then the Big 12, and I've seen Iowa State. For decades, I've seen Iowa State, and they stink out loud. They are even worse than what we are now. Um, and he's able to turn that around. Like right now, he should be, I think if they win this next game, or they might be already solidified as one of the Big 12 championship teams, right? And... He got there in 2016, and he's turned this whole team around. I mean, so his salary right now, he's getting paid some like $3.5 million. 3.5. That's nothing for Michigan. I mean, you can give him five at Michigan, and he, I mean, why wouldn't he jump? His buyout is $7 million, but every year after 2019, it drops by like a million. So you could get a buyout for five million bucks at this point, I think. Um, he's here's another little bit of info on Matt Campbell. One, 
I love his culture, right? When when your own player comes out and says the reason why we beat Texas is because we have five-star culture to their five-star players. That's exactly what you want your players to say. That's that's a person who's bought in. You can tell that team's bought in. They're like 7-2 and two this season right now or something like that. Uh, phenomenal. He sets a culture and he believes in it and he cultivates his talent. He actually, like his, his he, uh, I want to get into his recruiting classes here in a second, but um, he's a little bit more uh, FYI or a little whatever about Matt Campbell. He's, he's beat everyone in the Pac-12. I mean, yeah, Big 12. He's beat everyone in the Big 12 at least once. His records against Oklahoma, he's 2-3 and three against Oklahoma, but it's like he has just a recent one win against them this year, uh, and they've all been competitive games. Okay, Iowa State going up against Oklahoma. Wouldn't we? I know. I don't know about you, but I would love to say we would be two and three against Ohio State in the last five years. I don't know about you, but I'd jump at that. Um, none of them have been blowouts. He's now currently riding a two-game winning streak against Texas. He's also two and three against them. Two-game winning streak, by the way. One and four against Oklahoma State. Nah. And then he's 0-4 against Iowa, which is a rival. But the first year he got blown out. 2016 he got blown out 43-3. Oh, no, 42-3. My fault. 42-3. But after that, the last three games, all three games were lost. The total points that they lost were 14. Like there were two... One to two loss, uh, one to two point losses, and then a uh, game where he lost thirteen to three. One was eighteen to seventeen, and then I can't remember what the other one was. It was like a two point loss. I mean, he's in it. He's in it against his rival. We can't say that about us. I mean, we're three and three against Michigan State for God's sakes. Michigan State. The kid recruits. Now look what he's doing. With this, right? So he's beat everyone at least once in the in the Big Twelve. He's two and three against Oklahoma, and he and he's two and three against Texas, but riding that two game winning streak. But in 2016, he had the 53rd recruiting class, with one four star and 14 three stars. 17, he had the 44th recruiting class, 21 three stars, no four stars, no five stars. 2018, 54th recruiting class, two four stars, 15 three stars. 2019, 47th recruiting class, one four-star, 19 three-stars. 2020, 44th with 18 three-stars, and then 2021, 45th right now with 15 three-stars. Could you imagine what he could do with Michigan behind him? And plus, he's, uh, from what I've heard, now this is from another podcast, um, he wants the Michigan job. This man knows how to... First of all, he knows how to win with less. He knows how to win with less. This guy, I love the way he looks. I love his culture. I love everything about this guy. He he loves. He's great at the the halftime speech, which Harbaugh's garbage at. I mean, he creates a culture where they all buy in, and guys who are two and three star type players are beating on a consistent basis Texas who recruits at a four- and five-star level. That's culture. This guy knows how to win, right? 
So Matt Campbell would be my number one guy because he wants to be at Michigan. So that I love that. If that's really true, I love that. And that's what sells me the most on him, other than all the obvious things I just told you about. Now, the second one, it's no, it's no shock, Mario Cristobal for Oregon. I mean, he's only been there for a few years, but what he's done has been impressive. Um, by the way, his, his annual salary is only $2.6 million. Now, which is shocking to me because Phil Knight uh, is an alum, and Phil Knight is the head of Nike. And as if you look at their facilities, it's all top-notch. So it's shocking that he only makes 2.6, considering when McKnight or with with Knight, who can actually kind of you know change some stuff up there. But uh, I hear he's an amazing recruiter. That's the number. That's that's the number one thing with him that I like a lot. Out of out of the two, I mean, I I, I still want Matt Campbell, but Cristobal made the list because of how like just focused he is on recruiting, and it shows. 2017, 2017 when he started, uh, they had the 18th recruiting class. Now, that's all name at that point, right? Because he hasn't really done anything. But he had nine four-stars, 15 three-stars. 18, 13th recruiting class, two, uh, 14, no, no, my fault, 12 four-stars, 10 three-stars. 2019, the seventh recruiting class. It just keeps getting better and better and better as he as he's taking over the job. By the way, he's 21 and 7. Just to give you an idea. Now, 2019, the seventh recruiting class, one five-star. One five-star, 13 four-stars, and 12 three-stars. And then 2020, he had the ninth recruiting class for, with two five-stars, 10 four-stars, and 10 three-stars. The guy can effing recruit. He's 21-7. and seven. I know it's in a weak conference. That it's an absolute weak conference because there's USC isn't what it used to be. Stanford's not what it used to be. Um, Washington is on its way down again. So it's not the strongest conference in the world, but he's dominating it. So that's I mean he's one and zero against USC, three and one against Oregon State, a rival. He's two and one against Utah, who and that was in one of those wins was in the Pac-12 championship game. And then two and one against Washington. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Impressive, very impressive. Um, by the way, his buyout is eight million dollars. But if he, that's if he leaves before January twenty twenty one. Now, every month after that, it drops to five million. So he could leave. What? February 2021, and Michigan can buy him out for $5 million. So the buyouts on both of these guys are very similar, if not exactly the same. Um, one, Cristobal already has a, a, a conference title. Granted, weak conference. Um, Matt Campbell, I, I can't say enough positive things about Matt Campbell. I, I love this guy. I really want him to be the head coach of Michigan. There's just so many great things. Like, he fits... he. He fits kind of like a Gary Moeller type. And I know one of the listeners hit me up with this long thread of how, um, oh, what's his face from Cincinnati is is a lot like uh, Moeller because they have Ohio ties in this and the other. But so does Matt Campbell. And 
I just, I don't know. I love, I love this guy. I love everything about him. His hard work, his you nose to the grindstone, the, you know, the the whole Belichick feel to him, but rah-rah type. So everything you want that Belichick has, then you mix in the rah-rah part, and it's like just perfect for me. I don't know about anybody else, but for me. And then now the third one, I would just say Ur uh, Urban Meyer. I know I hated him. Uh, but there, listen, <laughs> if we could get Urban Meyer, I don't care. I don't care how dirty he is. I, I'm tired of this whole Michigan man baloney. I, be a good man all you want. Fine. Let's win. I just want to win for once. We've had Michigan men, and we got kicked in the teeth for over two decades. So I'm done getting kicked in the teeth because we have guys who play by the rules. <laughs> I mean, if Ohio State can figure out how to avoid the death penalty with Urban Meyer, I'm sure we can too. We're Michigan. We're smart enough to do it. But he's one of the great – he's arguably – Next to Saban and, well, next to Saban, because Davos Sweeney still has has a few more years of what he's doing before he even gets mentioned in the all-time greats. But Urban Meyer and Nick Saban are two of the greatest college football coaches in the history of college football. When you listen, I know I even hate to listen to him talk on Fox because he always busts Michigan's balls. But what he says most of the time is absolutely true. He has great insightful points. And let's put it this way. No man recruits better than that guy. Nobody's been more successful than that guy and outside of Saban. I just, I, my whole, I don't give a hell just as, I know we are not going to get him, but let's throw, you know, a Hail Mary pass if we can get him. Let's do it. It'd be Urban Meyer. I know people aren't going to agree with me, and that's fine. I mean, I, even half of me is fighting this right now, but I'm telling you, he's it. Right, but out of the two realistic guys, I think Matt Campbell and uh, Mario Cristobal. Because I think you could save both your recruiting classes if you hire those two. If you had one of them and you're like, listen, J.J. McCarthy, hey, Xavier Worthy, before you sign that letter, you know, before you swap, before you decommit, take a look at what our coach is. Let Matt Campbell talk to Xavier Worthy. Let freaking Mario Cristobal get a hold of Xavier Worthy. Because I think Xavier Worthy was an Oregon commit at one point. So you get Cristobal talk him up. Be like, hey man, I'm here. We got this. You got to come back. We got J.J. McCarthy. We got this. I create a good culture. You get these two. You get either one of these coaches and you save Michigan football. Don't go out and get like a Brady Hope type. I don't know if there's a Jawan Howard out there that's at, that could save us. I mean, if anything, I would throw out uh, if you're going to get rid of the staff or if, say, we're going to keep Harbaugh, uh, fire, obviously, Don Brown, fire Gaddis, and then take on Nick Sheridan. Nick Sheridan, obviously a Michigan guy, um, and it has, uh, has Indiana playing amazing, amazing offense right now, amazing offensive football right now. And with the talent we have, if he can do that at Indiana, why couldn't he do that at Michigan? Especially calling the plays, let him get a few more years, and then maybe he takes over as the coach, or the coach at Michigan. Um, I would say Tom Allen, but his his buyout's astronomical. It's like $20 million to buy him out. So forget that. I mean, the more I start to see, and the, I, I've not always been a fan of this because I always call um, the cult leader, P.J. Fleck, a cult leader because he has this mantra, right? Row the boat. 
Well, then Tom Allen has LEO, you know, love each other. And that stuff works. It works for college football. I hate to admit it, but it's uh, to me it sounds silly and ridiculous, but it works. But we don't do that. Harbaugh's like, get out of here. He treats his own players like they're redheaded stepchildren. I don't know. He's just like, listen, d- get out of here. Do your job. And I'll, because of me, I'm Jim Harbaugh, I can get you to the NFL. But I don't want to hear anything else from you. I'm a broken man since 2016. I'm emotionally damaged. Do not talk to me. Get out of here. Leave me alone. You know? That's what's just how it comes off to me. I don't know. But, hey, guys, uh, I hope you liked this episode. I mean, I know it was supposed to be a big game pregame. Um, I'm just happy that, I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about the rest of the season. I just I just really don't. I want to. I really want to screw Ohio State over badly, but I also want to play. But also, I don't want to get get our, our teeth kicked in. I don't want to look like this all the time and just ruin the future of Michigan football. I just don't. I hate it. I'm a conflicted man. So, guys, uh, I hope you liked this episode. Uh, you know, once again, go to all the social media: Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. And like and subscribe uh, on YouTube. Uh, also, leave a review. Actually, if you just leave a comment on these videos, I usually respond unless it's ridiculousness. If you respond, like I already said this earlier, if you respond, if you put down any type of ridiculous comment, I'm not going to answer it. I may talk shit about it on this podcast, but I'm definitely not going to answer it to you. So, I, I answered. I mean, everyone, everyone, even the people who aren't Michigan fans who who leave comments, I'm more than willing to talk to. Because they usually don't leave nonsense. Um, but guys, go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review, and I will send you out a sticker. Um, guys, I mean, it's going to be great to be a Michigan Wolverine again soon. And I really believe if we get one of these two coaches, it'll be great sooner than later. Um, and always and forever, guys, you know, go blue.